Hello and welcome to The Bigger Picture, the podcast where we tell the stories that matter. I'm your host this week, Blake Hudson. police brutality, holes in our judicial system, and corruption by law enforcement at various levels. Now, most rational-minded individuals agree that not all police officers, lawyers, judges, and elected officials are corrupt and inadequate. In fact, the vast majority of them are noble, upstanding protectors of the law and administers of justice. However, We are now living in a false dichotomy while we thoughtlessly divulge in debates on which lives matter, how much abuse of power actually exists, or when is the most appropriate time for silent protest. We have created two boxes in the public square for people to stand in. The first is an over-idealized, ignorant view that America is fair and just for everyone and by and large without flaw, all while draped in the symbolic cloak of patriotism. The other box is an over-idealized, ignorant view that America is inherently unfair and unjust, essentially beyond repair. The reality is somewhere in the middle of those boxes. Now, we have gaping holes in our system, but turning a blind eye to them is neither patriotic nor productive. We must face these shortcomings head on and always remember that at the end of these stories are people, human beings with lives and families. The effects can be damaging not just for the individual, but for many around them and even generations to follow. Today, I want to share a story of one individual. My hope is that we can find the humanity in our system's problems while remaining civil as we advance the cause of civil rights for all in our society. Because for us to be a truly free and just nation, we must advocate freedom and justice for all. Khalif Browder was a 16-year-old black male high school student. Just 10 days from his 17th birthday, he and his friend were leaving a party, walking down a little Italy street in the Bronx in New York City, when multiple cop cars pulled up. Now overwhelmed, surrounded, and a little bit blinded by blue and red flashing lights, officers approached the two asking about a robbery. They had received a report about this robbery, and Khalif and his friend responded with disbelief. They exclaimed they didn't know about any such incident. Nevertheless, the officers searched both of them. No warrants, 
No warnings. Just compliance by two young men watching their freedom, dignity, and due process be stripped from them. After finding nothing, they walked back to their car, speaking again with the alleged victims, when a few moments passed. Those moments seemed like an eternity for Khalif and his friend. All the while, they were still being detained without any tangible evidence or rationale. When the officers returned, they did so, but this time with the news story. The victim claimed he wasn't robbed that night, but instead two weeks earlier. Still confused, Khalif and his friend continued to plead their innocence. Unfortunately, their protest was in vain, as they were put in handcuffs, placed in a squad car. Khalif was then interrogated by police and a prosecutor, all while maintaining his innocence. None of this mattered. He was eventually charged with robbery, and without enough money to afford the bail, he became stuck in jail indefinitely. Before he knew it, he was on a bus to Rikers Island, the most notorious jail in America, with its own history of violence and scandal. Already, this story has started to highlight some shortcomings in our system. Unfortunately, it gets worse from here. Much worse. Khalif did not get this matter cleared up in a weekend. He was not on Rikers Island for a few months. Khalif was not there for one, not two, but three years. And remember, he was not serving a sentence. He was merely awaiting a trial. At this point, you might ask yourself, how is this even possible? Let's start with the fact that Khalif maintained his innocence throughout, and by deciding to stand for himself and refuse their plea bargain, which could have released him earlier. However, his persistence was rewarded with more prison time, and it was not easy time by any means. Browder was provided a court-appointed public defender. In a case that was, hindsight being 2020, a relatively straightforward one. Unfortunately, the file for the assistant district attorney was backlogged due to a number of cases in the Bronx District Attorney's Office. In 2010, at the time of Khalif's trial, there were 5,695 felonies. In July of 2010, Browder was sent to the Bronx County Hall of Justice to be seen by a judge. By this time, he had been arrested without trial or conviction for 74 days. The grand jury indicted Browder of second-degree robbery. And it was at this hearing he was also accused of punching the victim in the face and pushing him. Browder, of course, pled not guilty and was sent back to Rikers. All the while Khalif maintained his innocence, his trial dates kept being pushed further and further back. Him returning to court next on January 28, 2011, by this time he had spent 258 days in prison, 
and cases would continue to get pushed back. Browder would ask his public defender, can you get me out? I want to go to trial, maintaining his innocence and rejecting plea deals, which would cause him to say yes to a crime he never committed. He rejected those deals in an effort to maintain and prove his innocence, and he was well aware that he could be sentenced to a maximum of 15 years in prison if he was eventually convicted and lost his trial. Unfortunately, those court cases never came. Khalif was bused to the courthouse several times, but trials never seemed to materialize. By the time Khalif Browder had been in prison for 961 days, he had seen eight judges. His public defender noted his continued determination to prove his innocence, remain calm in court, and his rampant and adamant refusal of all plea deals. He noted that these things were, quote, remarkable. And although Khalif did not complain about his public defender, he believed that the people in charge with helping him prove and maintain his innocence and freedom were just going through the motions. It was as if they weren't working with a human being, rather a cog in the much larger wheel that was the criminal justice system. Let's not forget though, that all the while Khalif was maintaining his innocence and trying to get his actual trial set up, his time at Rikers was no easy endeavor. Multiple videos show an environment at Rikers Island that was unsafe and unconcerned with the protection and well-being of its inmates. It is important to remember that while yes, prison is a place for criminals, they are still human beings, many of which return to society after their stay. Unfortunately, in these types of conditions, it is hard to return in a healthy place, physically or mentally. To share just a few stories of Khalif's time in Rikers wouldn't do justice to the graphic and systemic nature of the violence he experienced or the violence permeating throughout that institution. But these stories serve to highlight the total depravity of the situation. During his imprisonment, Browder was severely abused and was repeatedly beaten by officers and inmates alike. In security footage acquired by the New Yorker while Browder was on Rikers Island, footage shows him being slammed into walls by guards while he was handcuffed. The guards then proceeded to tackle Browder to the ground and two other guards joined in shortly thereafter. In another incident, Browder punched a gang leader after that gang member spat in his face earlier that day. As a result, he was attacked by a group of approximately 15 inmates. The worst part of that video was the seemingly passive indifference by the officers to stop this group violence. Browder speculated that the prison guards were working with the gang leaders. This suspicion is well documented on Rikers Island and is often referred to as the program. During one particular incident after he had just arrived, prison guards lined up inmates against the wall, including Browder with the purpose of finding the instigator of an earlier prison fight. Although Browder was not implicated in this fight, he, in addition to other 
teenagers in the block was subjected to punching one by one. Browder described the outcome of this confrontation. Their noses were leaking, their faces were bloody, their eyes were swollen. The guards gave them an ultimatum to either seek medical attention at the clinic or return to bed, but threatened that if they were to go to the medical clinic and report this incident, they would be sent into solitary confinement. This type of violence was often the justification for placing Khalif and others like him in solitary confinement. A confinement where he would spend over 400 days of his three-year stay. Put another way, nearly a half of his teenage years. These cells were 12 by 7 feet each. Inmates like Khalif were repeatedly sent after even minor fights, and multiple confinements required less and less justification upon subsequent submissions into solitary. In confinement, Browder was only allowed in the rec area, shower, visiting room, medical clinic, or court, and he must remain handcuffed and subject to strip searches during each of these occasions. Solitary confinement was first practiced a long time ago, and science has shown the damaging effects it can have on one's mental health psyche. When you remove someone from social interaction and you put them in strict isolation, it changes their brain chemistry, it alters their mind, and in short, it wounds them. Wounds that cannot quite be seen the same a physical one can, but wounds that nevertheless damage the mental health of a person, even more so that of a developing mind of a juvenile. Fast forward three years, and the story seemingly has its first glimpse of hope. The charges were eventually dropped, probably because they were baseless on the surface. And Khalif was released, but not without that aforementioned damage being done to his psyche and soul. Browder's story became national news in 2013 when he brought a civil rights lawsuit against NYC, the New York Police Department, the Bronx District Attorney, and others for $20 million, claiming physical and emotional torture. His fight for justice brought to the forefront of public consciousness numerous issues, including juvenile detention and solitary confinement. Tragically, Khalif never won that fight. The demons that haunted him from his many years at Rikers drove him to his young and untimely death. On June 6, 2015, the 22-year-old Khalif Browder committed suicide by hanging himself in his Bronx home. It wasn't the first attempt on his own life. He had tried to kill himself six times previously, the first of which coming during his time at Rikers at the age of 16. His story was widely reported in the New York region but many around the country and world may not have heard of it 
up to that point. It was pushed even further into the mainstream consciousness when rapper and business mogul Jay-Z served as a co-executive producer to a six-part story documentary that originally aired on Spike TV. In conclusion, what's truly sad is that people don't believe these things happen, or even worse, they don't care. The reality is that they do, and we should. We must advocate for one another if our country is to truly live up to its ideals. We cannot claim to be free if that freedom is not available to all. We cannot claim to be just if justice is not provided to all. My hope would be that the story of Khalif Browder causes you to see the human in these problems. The very real, visceral stories that people are going through. Now's not the time to pick a side, to point fingers. Now is the time to understand where these injustices are taking place, how they are affecting people, families, and generations. The choice is ours as to what sort of country and society we will live in. And my hope is that when we see a story like Khalif's, we will collectively decide enough is enough and we will be a country that lives up to its very highest ideals. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Bigger Picture. I would encourage you to continue to listen. Listen to our other podcast on the Outset Network, which you can find at outsetmagazine.com or on iTunes. We'd also appreciate your subscription and any reviews that you might be able to leave as well. Thanks so much again and have a great day.